Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft. Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the Elite Strategist, and you're listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, actually, we have really interesting content, and uh, as you guys and my students, uh, if you're listening... All of you know that I talk about the four things that you need to be doing to be successful in our business, right? The four top of the lead indicator, top of the funnel things, and that's making offers, right? Closing on deals, executing on your business plan, and the last one is raising capital, right? Because eventually you're going to run out of money. It's not if, but when. You could have a lot of money, but if you're playing in this game full time and you're really actually taking action and you're growing, you're always going to be looking for more capital. This is what I found from my experience and all of my years in, uh, in the business. So today I have Yaakov Smart, and um, that's he's going to be talking about raising capital, right? And I think um, I'm really excited, and I, I think you guys are going to enjoy this interview. And Yaakov is considered a leading expert when it comes to attracting high net worth investors and raising capital using LinkedIn. Let me tell you something, Yaakov. This is one of the biggest things for uh, when I take on new students. This is one of the biggest things, things that... Uh, I'm challenged with is, okay, Martin, so what do I do first? So I go over those four things with them and I tell them you need to be making offers, you need to be closing on deals, you need to be executing on your business plan, whatever it is that you decided you were gonna do with that particular deal you closed on, and you need to be raising capital. And it's always the egg and the chicken, well, should I raise capital first? What do I do? I get the deal first. What if I get the deal? And that's a lot of that is mindset stuff. And we'll talk about the mindset of, of someone that's raising capital effectively in a bit. But um, I want to first welcome you. All right. And I want to start, want to lead in with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Why don't you, you, you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Because I know you would do a better job at it than I, than I just did. Um, let's start there. Yaakov, um, because like I said, this is an important topic for, I know a lot of my students, it's a big, big one. It's where do I find the money? How do I do it? Where do I go? And we have you here to educate us and and uh, teach us on that today. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I can already tell we're going to have a great conversation today. And yeah, to start things off, you know, we're going to talk about using LinkedIn as a platform for building those key investor relationships. And you know, as much as you know, I can sit here and talk about my story for hours, and you know, I'll very quickly tell an abbreviated version. But what really matters about our conversation today, Martin, for people listening to this and taking in this content, is you know, last year with the COVID nineteen situation happening, in person networking, in person events, conferences, where people used to go to build relationships with potential private investors. That all kind of went out the window. You know, there sure there's virtual stuff going on, but like the handshake to raise money, um, that shifted, right? It became redefined. And so I was already in the business of showing people how to leverage LinkedIn marketing 
um, for generating leads and building key business relationships. And then I had some people in this space, people we both know, reach out and want to know more about, could there be a system for uh, generating investor leads and finding private investors using LinkedIn? So that's where we developed the most recent methodology and we created the LinkedIn Capital Raising Accelerator. Because you know, really what it comes down to in my background is in internet marketing. I've been marketing online probably shoot for a, for a while now, but even back when I was in school, you know, my first online marketing project, I wrote an ebook for college students on how to be successful in college when I was still in school. And that's when I first got my taste of the online marketing world. And as much as we're talking about raising capital today, you're absolutely right. We are talking about mindset. We also are talking about lead generation, how to have a consistent and powerful lead generation process on the capital raising side for finding investors. And because it's one thing to go to your friends and family, it's one thing, as you know, to go to your warm network, people you grew up with, people who already trust you. But how do you go about tapping into the internet, an online platform like LinkedIn for building trust, getting people interested, getting people to pay attention, and then ultimately to invest with you and give you their money? Got it. That's Man, there's a lot to unpack there, sir. A lot to unpack. I guess my first question is, um, how do you build trust? How do you get an investor online to give you money? How, how do you, how does one do that? Right? Like, you know, it's the internet world, right? So there's a lot of scams out there, brother. You know that I know that there's a lot of BS. There's a lot, you know, I, I got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people that come through, through my meetups because I host a couple of meetups and um, they're like, well, I learned this on, on YouTube, right? Or I learned this here. And, and and my question always is, well, how do you know that they're actually doing it? How do you know they're actually doing it? Right? How do you know they're actually real? So mm-hmm. how do you how do you help people position themselves to build that trust where uh people actually invest with with a group or with an individual? Well, you're absolutely right. The first thing we have to assume that people are going to be skeptical. There is a lot of bullshit out there and there are a lot of scammers, con artists. So we have to assume, and I talk about the psychology of your ideal investor. I talk about the psychology of that high net worth individual who can invest with you. And that person, you know, they have money for a reason. Like, you know, there's people out there who think, oh, someone's net worth is $10 million. What's it to them to, you know, wire me 150K? And that's just completely inaccurate. They didn't get money by being careless with their money. If anything, they're going to be more skeptical. They're going to be more discerning. They're going to want to do their due diligence that much more. So we have to respect money and respect their mindset um, first and foremost. And we have to understand, you know, these people are used to, especially if people know that they have money, no matter what, you know, what their net worth range is, they're used to people coming to them, pitching them stuff, right? I mean, it's just part of the nature of the beast of having money. And so you have to understand what you're going up against here is using the internet to build trust, build enough value to where that person says, you know, let's have a conversation. I'm at least curious to know more. And that's really the first step. You got to take it one step at a time. Some people make the silly mistake of trying to figure out a perfect template or a one shot, perfect message. that's going to get someone just eager to, you know, invest with you. And I'm here to tell you that that's a flawed way of thinking. Okay, it's all about building trust. It's always about building value and building trust. And and there might be people here who are listening. And I want to address this thing, too. And they're like, well, okay, that's easy for you to say. But, 
you know, can it really be possible without shaking their hand and meeting them in person first? Because the only time I've raised capital is doing that, right? There's people out there in that scenario. And I'll give you a fascinating statistic, Yield Street, which is one of the many online um, crowdfunding platforms in Q4 of 2020 alone, they raised almost $2 billion in private capital. These people never shook hands. They went online, they looked at the deal, and they wired money, right? So it, to think that it's not possible or to think that, hey, everyone just does business by handshakes the old school way is just inaccurate. So then back to your question, how do you go about building trust? Okay, so there's some things in your positioning that you need to understand. I love talking about positioning on LinkedIn and online in general because it gets so misconstrued and there's a lot we can impact there. The very first thing though that you have to understand is they care more about themselves than they care about you, right? So the experience that you create for them using your LinkedIn profile, for example, you want people to feel seen and understood. That's what people are looking for. You don't need to go into the jargon. You don't need to talk about specific numbers, which by the way is often illegal depending on what kind of raise you're doing. But you wanna start off by meeting them where they're at. So that potential high net worth individual on LinkedIn usually they're in the position of they heard that real estate is a good investment. Maybe they've even invested in real estate. Maybe they're somewhat familiar with passive investing, but they don't, haven't connected the dots yet to how to become a passive investor or why one specific asset class trumps another, for example, multifamily, right? Or, you know, what a syndication is. And so I see people over-educating themselves and trying to over-educate potential investors out front, have them raise their hand first give them some value first, understand where they're at first, rather than throwing a bunch of jargon at them. Because you and I know what a syndication is. You know, you and I know what a real estate fund is. A lot of them don't, right? They just know that as a concept, real estate investing is intriguing. And the other thing now, and I cannot emphasize this enough, is mitigating risk, okay? High net worth individuals, private investors, they want to know how you mitigate risk, especially you know, with all the weirdness that's gone on in the world the last you know, couple of years. People are very much um, concerned about reducing downside. So everyone's talking about huge upside this, huge upside that. But how pe many people are talking about here is all the ways we are sound. Here's all the ways we are solid and stable and that we're mitigating downside. Okay. When you're the one to do that, you establish a different level of trust and different level of authority. So those are all some initial things to consider, but it starts with the word empathy, right? It starts with understanding, okay, they're a person on the internet. You're a person on the internet. They don't know you first. They don't care about the details of your deals first. They don't care yet. They're not ready for that you want to give value and build trust first. And there's a number of ways we can talk about to do that through LinkedIn. Those are some things to start thinking about to start our conversation today. So, wow, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> so I want to, I'm going to ask you two questions. First, why LinkedIn, right? Not Facebook or Instagram or these other big platforms. I have funny, I have an idea why I think, but I want to ask you from your perspective, why LinkedIn? And then, give us an example, give us some meat and potatoes. Like, what does that look like? Like, how do you build trust? Like, what would someone post, right? And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that, right? I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm, a, I'm an in-person guy. So I'm learning from you, Jacob, right? Because I'm an in-person guy. I hold live events every month. I hold host two or three, three meetups a month um, locally here in my area where I'm educating and I'm an energy guy. My investors, they know me, they, they know me, they, 
you know, it's just I'm a relational guy. I, I certainly am. Uh, and I know that there's also a way to do that online, right? There's also a way to, to, to translate that to online. I, for one, haven't figured that out yet. So I'm, I'm taking this all in and learning from you as well here, Yako. So um, my first question is, why LinkedIn? And then how would someone like me do that, right? So I have an online presence, right? I have some followers online. So but how do I, how do, I do that, right? So tell me. Yeah. So why LinkedIn? One word, quality, right? The quality of the potential individual. If you're looking for high net worth individuals, people have capital to place, you know, you can pinpoint and using the LinkedIn platform, you can build a hyper-targeted list of doctors, lawyers, angel investors, successful CEOs, people who, you know, are high up in the corporate rankings, successful business owners, tech founders, like, you know, any kind of group of high net worth individuals you can think of, you can target them on LinkedIn and reach them directly on their smartphones, which is really, really powerful. Another reason is Facebook and Instagram, they, you know, they both have validity in a number of different things, but a lot of people are sick and tired of the drama, right? They're sick and tired of the Facebook drama, the Instagram drama. People are on LinkedIn with different intentions. They may also be on Facebook, but they're on Facebook to just goof around or maybe to have a political debate, who knows, or to watch cat videos versus Mm -hmm. LinkedIn. They're there to build relationships. They're there to learn. They're there to grow. It's a much more professional platform. Right now, there's more than 700 million users across the world, just about any country you can think of. And the average household income is $115,000. That's the average household income. So you've got a lot of ultra high net worth individuals who are on LinkedIn. It's a different context. You can build really hyper-targeted lists and you can be more intentional. And here's here's, where this methodology comes in for building trust. You can be more intentional in the way that you build trust on LinkedIn and build those relationships than on any other platform. Because it's one thing for someone to see an ad on click on your ad or even piece of content, which we'll get to in a second on like Facebook, you know, Facebook ads, dime a dozen, but LinkedIn, you can really pinpoint and show that demonstrate value to that person and show what you have in common. And so when it comes to building trust and it segues perfectly, the first thing that you want to do is you want to target precisely. And a lot of people, for example, say, well, I think doctors have money. So I'm going to, you know, go after doctors, potential investors. And that's flawed thinking because In our programs, we talk about something called streams of commonality, for example, right? So if your background is as an engineer or a software engineer, for example, the people you want to build relationships with on LinkedIn are other software engineers or people from that space or people from that mindset. Or let's say, you know, you're a New Yorker or used to live in New York. New Yorkers would be a great place to start. And, you know, let's say you have a sales background in New York, like those would be people to start out with, right? And there's about 15 different filters we can use on LinkedIn to build those hyper-targeted lists. So the very first thing is fishing in the right pond, right? Naturally, and you know, my example is always, you know, I grew up immigrant family and we spoke Russian and I grew up in Atlanta. And whenever my parents would go and hire a contractor, or pretty much do business with anyone, the very first place they looked was people who were fellow Russian speakers. And it's not like they didn't speak English. It was just this familiarity, this commonality. It's hard to explain, but like, it's the same wavelength, right? So people online, you know, they gravitate towards that. Like if I see someone, another example, if I see someone who graduated from the same school I went to, I'm like, oh shit, okay. We have something in common, interesting. You know, I'm much more open to connecting with them and building their relationship or someone who worked at a company where I used to work at or that I work with, right? So um, there's so many different opportunities, different zones for streams of commonality. And then 
The other thing, you know, we can talk about posting content and there's validity to that, but LinkedIn works a little bit differently than like an Instagram or a Facebook where content reach and content engagement across the platform is generally a little lower. And that's a very, very good thing because a lot of people, what they try to do on social media is they post and they hope, right? So they post a piece of content and they hope the right person will see it and reach out to them. And it's a very unintentional way to operate. So the more intentional way And I want you to really think about the contrast here for everyone listening. The more intentional way is to have a hyper-specific list of high net worth individuals who could potentially invest in your projects on LinkedIn to go build that list and to connect with them, to actually have them be a part of your LinkedIn network. And there's ways to automate and speed up the process too. But basically, now they're a part of your network. And now through direct messaging, you can share that same content. If you've got some really great content you're sharing, do it through direct messaging because your open rate's going to be way higher than email. And there's three ways I call this value building through messaging, right? And we're not talking about spamming people here. We're not talking about pitching people your stuff. Even if you're doing like a 506C, doesn't matter. Build the relationship first, book the meeting first, and make sure that it's the right fit for them first, and then move them along that process. Three ways to build value in messaging, right? Number one is asking a question. Questions are so powerful and asking an open question to gauge their level of familiarity or to gauge their awareness that passive real estate investing even exists or that investing in multifamily properties, for example, exists, right? Starting with those questions, not starting with the question, hey, I've got this deal coming up that's gonna be the best thing since sliced bread, you wanna invest 500K. That's not what I'm talking about here, okay? Talking about the questions that are gonna get the people to raise their hand and respond and say, yeah, you know, I wanna learn more or here's where I'm at with this. And it's a very natural and organic way of building trust that way, so that's the first way. Second way is problem awareness. So if you know they're dealing with a certain problem or a certain headache, and a great example is the stock market, right? Maybe they've, the stock market volatility has driven them crazy and they're nearing retirement. If you can pinpoint that specific problem to them, in the direct message and then ask a question about that, it creates value because you're, you get them, they're feeling seen, you're addressing the problems. That's a second way of building trust through messenger. Third way is sharing specific pieces of content. It could be an article, it could be a video, it could be a cheat sheet, a PDF book, you know, whether you created it, someone else created it, but instead of just, you know, sending that to them and assuming that they want to see it, you know, sharing with them what the content is about and asking them if they would like a link to it or if they would like you to share it. That way, the person raises their hand and they self-select. People are either going to deselect or they're like, no, I'm not interested. It's not for me. And you want to celebrate that because if someone doesn't have the capital to place, they're not the right fit. Rather than spend four hours on the phone with them, you'd rather them just say, no, not for me in five seconds. Just so much better use of your time. And the people that self-select are going to say, yeah, you know, I want more. I'm interested. Or that's sounds really interesting. Let's actually connect for a call. I've thought about this for a while. So if you're giving value up front, those are three ways to do it through direct messages. You start the process, you start taking people through this education and this value exchange to where ultimately you're going to be able to speak with them, usually in a one-on-one meeting, sometimes to a webinar if you're doing a raise in different kinds of circumstances. But once that happens, ultimately, you're moving people up a ladder to investing with you. So I don't know if that really answers your question. I know we covered that a is, lot there. That, that is a great answer to my question. 
um, you, you covered a lot. So ask a question. So the three the three ways to building value through through uh, hyper specific lists. So you said hyper specific lists. I'm just taking my notes here. Then the three ways to um, building value is direct messaging, right? So one, asking a question. Two, problem awareness, and three specific content video. Give them give them value through through the content. That's good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. So. Um, I suppose that your company, this is what you guys do, right? Uh, Yaakov, do you guys teach investors how to do that? Can you share a little bit about, about what you guys do and how you help an investor or coach him or along these lines? Yeah, exactly. So my core program is called LinkedIn Capital Raising Accelerator. And it's just like it sounds, you know, it's the A to Z step-by-step system for going from someone who's on LinkedIn, maybe barely has a profile that they check every, you know, here and there to being someone who is consistently generating investor leads, building those connections, making those key contacts with potential investors and moving them beyond LinkedIn to actual relationships with people who actually invest with you. And that's what the entire program is about. And with that program too, because I think, you know, sometimes, because I've, you know, invested in myself and been in a lot of programs, you know, I think sometimes that coaching piece is essential. So with it, we always include six months of group Q&A calls. So every other week we get together for a Q&A call. People can ask questions, whether it's specifically how to implement a specific tactic or maybe they want to optimize their results further. And the cool thing about the program is it's all based on metrics. It's all based on data, right? It's not, you know, it's not subjective. It's like, you know, so what you did, you did X, Y, and Z, what results did it produce? How can you produce even better results? So yeah, it's a neat system. And the way that's delivered is through LinkedIn Capital Raising Accelerator. Perfect. I want to talk to you now. I want to dig into a little bit um, around the mindset around yeah. that raises capital, right? Because, you know, like my shirt says, 80% mindset, 20% skill set equals 100% success. And a lot of, you know, when I'm working with new investors, I, you know, I have a small group of got, uh, people I coach. And a lot of times when I'm working with them, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges is they think that I'm going to give them some magic potion, some magic thing to do. And that magic thing that they're going to go do is going to go and all of a sudden give them a deal. And it's not that simple. The magic thing to do is work on your mindset. The magic thing to do is what's the conversation you're having with yourself. Uh, the magic thing to do is your your belief system. What does your belief system do? Do you believe you can succeed, right? What's the conversation you're having with yourself? So around that topic, when we talk about raising capital, what's the mindset, the correct mindset that a a successful capital raiser needs to have. What do you find that the, what do you find that your successful, your successful, wow, <laughs> your successful um, uh, students or or people that are raising capital? What do you find that their mindset? And what's the commonality that you find around their mindset? There's several things. The first one is to have an abundant mindset with money being out there, right? Because some people are in the scarcity like, oh, there's only so many, you know, accredited investors or high net worth individuals. There's plenty of money 
to go around, especially now there's more private capital being placed than ever before. That trend is going to continue. Alternative investments, man, they're blowing up. So a lot of people think that they're like, oh, I don't know any quote unquote rich people. So maybe there's not that much money. There's so much money. It's not even funny. Right. And especially when you're giving value, when you have a great opportunity, you don't have to be doing this for 30 years to raise private capital. You know, some people think that they have to have a ton of deals under their belt. And that's just not the case. Again, it's what's in it for them. You know, can you position yourself the right way? Can you build trust? They trust you. You don't have to be in the business for 30 years before you can raise money, right? There's no like magic thing where one day you're quote unquote, ready to raise capital. You don't even need a super fancy website. You certainly don't need a super fancy marketing funnel, right? A lot of people get stuck in the infrastructure trap where they spend literally tens of thousands of dollars on infrastructure website, you know, this fancy funnel automation thing, and they can't get leads yet. They can't get someone to raise their hand and say that they're interested. So, you know, rather than I'm big on like MVP, minimal viable product kind of testing with marketing and investor lead generation. So, you know, putting something out there, seeing if anyone's interested, you don't need to even have the fancy infrastructure out front, right? And I think the reason a lot of people do that is they're scared. They're scared of rejection, right? That's what it comes down to. It sounds so simple and so elementary, but it's true. And what you have to understand, rejection is kind of a gift, right? Especially when you're raising capital, because like I mentioned earlier, if someone doesn't have the capital someone's not the right fit, someone's going to be a pain in the ass. There's so much money to go around. There's so many high net worth individuals who won't be a pain in the ass. It's better that they deselect and let the right people self-select. So that's another big thing. And then some people are doing it as a side hustle. They still have W-2s and jobs and other things. And they're like, well, do I have to be doing it full time before I can start talking to potential investors? Hell no, right? Absolutely not. You know, like it's, and it's also sometimes a position of strength. Like if you have 20 years as an engineer and you're talking to engineers, one of the reasons why they need to work with you and partner with you is because you get them. You speak the language, you understand the mindset, you communicate in a similar way. So mm-hmm. all that is, those are a few of the initial things. And then, you know, it's one of those things, I think like a lot of things in life, once you do something once and you get some result, it just becomes exponentially easier. I mean, there's there there's so, so many examples of that, right? Whether it's I mean, shoot, driving a car, right? I mean, until you do it the first time, you don't know what you don't know, right? And it's not like, you know, people are struggling with driving, right? It's one of those kind of rudimentary things, but just about anything you can think of, you gotta, you gotta play the game too. That's the, that's another thing I'll say. You gotta, you know, actually play the game. You can't overanalyze. You don't need to read 10 more books. You need to, how can you implement the quickest way possible using the right strategy? And then the final thing, is just, you know, with the overthinking, people don't leverage other people's knowledge. People don't leverage other people's people or resources. They think they have to figure everything out on their own. And that's such an uphill battle. It's nearly impossible to do that. And why would you, right? When you know the information's available, the methodologies are available that you can plug into, make them your own and you know, use them to be successful. That's, wow, that's a lot of good stuff you just gave us here. Uh, my next question is, that's important, you know, the, before I go into my next question, the one thing that, that, that stuck out at me is what you said about having that abundant mindset, understanding, you know, I for one, right, I believe, I believe in God, I believe in my in the creator, that's just my personal belief, right, but I believe uh, my mindset is that my creator wants the best for me, and that there's 
I'm a child of, of God. And if I'm a child of God, then I, God wants the best for me, right? For his child. That means that this world is my playground and everything here in, in, in the world is for me to enjoy freely, abundantly, right? And that's a mindset. And that's a, you know, that's a mindset. And I'm so glad that you said that to have that abundant mindset because you, there is no scarcity. There, there's enough, you know, there's enough for all of us, right? Like you said, self-select. If someone, if someone says no, it's a blessing, and that's a that's a nice reframe to to see it that way. That's great advice, guys. For those of you listening, someone says no, awesome, good. They they they, they deselected themselves, like Yaakov said, you know. And that's what you want. You want them to deselect themselves now, then then later. What do you find is the biggest mistakes that capital raisers are making? What is do you find is the most common and biggest mistake that most most people make when they're raising capital? Well, sometimes, and I want to address like this, this first thing that I'm going to say is really important too, because with, you know, a lot of people, first of all, they don't play in the game. They get too scared of making a mistake or doing it wrong or not getting it perfect the first time they do nothing. So, I mean, by default, that's the biggest mistake is if you do nothing, you're going to get no results, like, you know, cause and effect. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the big mistake. But there's another thing, like when people start overthinking, they're like, well, you know, what you're talking about is cool, but if I don't know these people yet, SEC, you know, how's it compliant? And I'll give you the, the rundown on that after having talked with SEC attorneys and a lot of people in the space, nowhere in our programs and nowhere, you know, I don't think you would tell people, because first of all, even if it was legal, it'd be stupid. It's just a cold solicit people and say, hey, you know, I've got a deal. You want to wire me some money? That's just dumb. It's it's stupid. It's a bonehead thing. So I'm all about building the relationship. But the reason why it works so effectively online is first, get the person to raise their hand, engage in the conversation, take that relationship offline. And then they're not going to invest with you until you've established prior relationship anyway. That's just the, the name of the name of the game, right? So people overthink that SEC thing. And they're like, well, is it legal? Like you're not soliciting funds directly through a social media message and you're not posting your direct deal, right? If you're doing a 506C, you know, they're there's a little bit of a different strategy to it, but still, you know, people overthink that um, people tell themselves stories that they're not ready yet. And then uh, the other extreme of that is people go on, they're like, okay, great. There's so many people on LinkedIn. This is so exciting. Let me just spam people a bunch of stuff that gives no value. And they send these long, long, long messages that give no value and that are just a blatant sales pitch. And, you know, they go largely ignored and they actually lose trust with people who might be potentially interested. The other thing is sometimes people will hide behind their knowledge of real estate. They'll get into the jargon and the lingo and the numbers rather than understanding and having empathy for where the person's at, right? Because they that other person may not trust themselves as a passive investor yet. They may have money that they worked hard for, they built a business with, but they haven't invested at scale and they need someone they can trust, they can depend on, and a lot of the times they want to start small. So understand, you want people to understand what they're getting into. You want to keep things as simple as possible because if people have all heard a confused mind doesn't buy, well, confused mind sure as hell doesn't invest, right? So those are a few of the big ones. And then on a very tactical level, um, a few of the things, the LinkedIn profile, I'll say this right now, it's as important right now as having a good website, okay? Because when people Google you, and of course, people are going to Google you before they invest with you in any situation, 
um, your LinkedIn profile is going to be the first thing that comes up. So even if you haven't logged in in years, it's important to position yourself as the authority, but it's important not to have it read like a resume, okay? Because it's not all about you. It's not all about your accomplishments and accolades. It's about demonstrating empathy for that person. So, you know, that's one mistake is going too corporate, sounding too boring. You're not going to bore people into giving you money. That just is not the, the nature of the beast, right? Um, the other mistake is sometimes people are way too scattered. Like they talk about 15 different businesses or projects they're working on in their profile. And, you know, that completely loses trust and credibility, and the third mistake there is sometimes people get too markety. They start, you know, really trying to pitch and sell on that profile, not the place to do it. Okay. The profile is the place to build empathy and show people that you understand them and they can trust you. And then with all that, um, let's see what other mistakes I was going to. So we talked about direct messaging. We talked about posting and hoping earlier. Um, you know, we talked about not playing the game, not, not doing anything. Um, you know, certainly. And yeah, that fear of rejection or that fear of, you know, the unknown or thinking that, hey, they're going to be ready at some point. Like build, oh, here it is. So build the investor list before you need the money. I think you talked about this earlier. If you need money um, in 24 hours to fund a deal, you want to have the list ready to go. People you can reach out to who you've established that relationship with. Uh, and a lot of sometimes people are like, well, when I need, when I have the next deal, then I'll start looking for people who can fund it or people who can, you know, invest with me. And that's, it's just not accurate. Right. So, and, you know, and the other thing with that too, is sometimes people say, well, maybe this will work for multifamily syndication, but I'm doing a real estate fund. Will this work? Listen, these strategies, this, these systems, this approach, everything we talk about across the board, if you're raising private capital for any kind of real estate and even like universally um, for building investor relationships, this stuff works specifically. So um, it's important to really consider that. And then the last thing is people are, start thinking, well, I don't know if I have enough time for all this. There's automation in place. There's ways to systematize this, right? What you don't want to be doing is trying to figure this out in terms of a bunch of one-offs. You're looking for a system, something that's scalable, that you can put on rinse and repeat. So that's that's what you're what you're really looking for here. So that was my next question to you was, uh, does your does your program is it automated because like you know investors a seasoned investor that's already in the mix is busy right yeah but, but you know it's we're always raising capital I mean a good investor should always be looking for capital right it's just it's just it just it's just the nature of the game it's the nature of the beast building relationship with money 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 right money I, I always tell my students I, I, I my motto is. Um, I do flips, I flip houses and I buy and I syndicate. I buy and hold long term. I syndicate deals. And my motto is, my belief is I'm not just flip, I'm not just flipping houses. I'm not just in the real estate business. I'm in the money business. I'm in the I'm in the flipping money business. That's what I do. I take something, I buy a, an apartment building that's underperforming, I get money, and then I get it performing, and then I flip it for double or whatever. I'm projecting in three to five years, right? So what am I really doing? I'm using real estate as a vehicle to flip money. So we're always looking for money. So someone that's already in the business and and I have a lot of newbies and I have some different levels that listen to different people in different levels that listen to this podcast. Uh, but I want to talk to you specifically about someone that's already, you know, that's busy. How does your program, um, you know, help with, with the time constraint of that, you know, maybe someone's got a career and they want to get started and they want to raise capital. Well, 
tell us about how, how does the automation come in? What do you guys do to help with that? Is it, is it a virtual assistant that does these direct messaging? How does that, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that, what does that sound like? Well, it's better than a virtual assistant because it's software that acts as artificial intelligence. So it acts like a human with timing and cadence and all those other things. So it's in compliance with LinkedIn and you know, all their policies. And once you set it up, like there's a little bit of a learning curve of setting it up, but it's one of the most turnkey softwares I've ever seen. You can have multiple step type of messaging. I call them messenger funnels, three, four, five steps. And we talk about what's that. I'm just thinking out loud. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Keep going, man. That's awesome. So the software does it. And so what's required is what's going to happen is you're going to start people raising their, getting people to raise their hand, ask questions, want to engage that part. That's when you come in and that's about a 15. Some of our students, you know, they take between 15 and 30 minutes a day. That's usually the range depending on you know how many leads they're getting. And that's where you come in, where you're responding, engaging, and now you can transition that conversation. There's, we call them the eight buckets of responses. There's eight types of responses that you're going to get. We cover that in the program and then how to best transition those people beyond LinkedIn, usually to a phone call and build, continue building that relationship. And then after that, sometimes they're ready to go. They're ready to rock for your next deal. And that's the name of the game. So, yeah, I mean, you could have, you could also integrate, like if you've got a virtual assistant, you know, great, something they can, you know, do with the software setup. We talk about building a delegatable system uh, in LinkedIn Capital Raising Accelerator and with all that being said, if you're just starting out, you're doing it part time, ramping it up takes a little bit of time. There's a learning curve. That's why you put the program together. But once it's up and running, I mean, it's largely um, rinse and repeat. It's not something that's meant to be time consuming at all. That's freaking awesome. dude! That, I'm super excited. I'm, I want to learn more about the program myself. Um, if someone's interested in, in your programs, getting a hold of you, someone's interested in having this conversation, where do they go, Jacob? Where do they find it? Where do they find the program? A couple ways. So first one, they can find me on LinkedIn, Jakob Smart. Send me a connection request. Say that you heard about me from Martin's podcast. We'll we'll connect on LinkedIn. Second way, um, we have a free online training we're going to make available as a resource for everyone listening to this. LinkedLeads.us forward slash Tuesday webinar. That's a free online training. Um, Depending on when this comes out, that page will be updated for the next webinar. Um, that's playing. And then if people are really ready to rock, if they're like, okay, I want to make the investment in this. Um, if you go to linkedleads.us under programs, LinkedIn Capital Raising Accelerator, you check out the program, you look at the page, you're going to see the investment for the program online. It retails for $19.97. But if you're ready to rock, heard about us on the show, um, just hit me up on LinkedIn. We'll give you a, a discount code. It's going to be similar to the discount that we give on the webinar too. So that's one way. To, if you're just ready to go, you want to get started and have immediate access, let us know. We can set you up on that and get, get you ready, rocking and rolling. Let me ask you a question. Someone that sets up, what's the what's the ramp up period from signing up to the software doing its thing? You know, do you guys help with uh, getting the the LinkedIn profile looking the right way because you don't want it to be too salesy? I'm just quoting you. You don't want it to be too salesy. You don't want it to be too corporate, right? So you want it to look just right. Exactly. That's how fixing that up. When um, do you guys? Uh, what's the ramp up period from that time to you know executing? 
the program work? Yes, yeah, so I've, I've actually got a template um, that we share inside the program. It's called it's a it's a little corny, but it's called the irresistible profile formula. And there's a lot of different directions to go. And I have wording that people can use. And people really enjoy that because most people in the program, they're not copywriters. They're not marketers by trade. And so it just saves them a bunch of time, like hours and hours. Mm -hmm. um, and then the ramp up window, it depends on, you know, someone's willingness to implement. I mean, you could, and I, I don't recommend binging the program, but you could in an afternoon, get your profile revamped, get your list built, set up the automation software. And if you really take a full afternoon to do it, you could be generating new contacts and connections the next day. I mean, it's just a matter of getting it implemented um, and going at your own pace. So it's not like there is, it's not like, you know, the software takes a certain amount of time to set up. Once you get it set up, once you get the list imported, I mean, you could be like, if, if we were to, you know, start marketing a new product today, for example, like in my business, uh, we could be marketing um, by next week. Like we'd be generating leads literally by the start of next week. Wow, so it's pretty cool you have the system down that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome Yaakov thank you so much for being here it was my pleasure and my honor to have you here today thank you well, you shared a ton of great information guys uh, this is really good stuff if you're looking to raise capital it's one of the four things remember uh, making offers closing on deals executing on your business plan and number four raising capital those are the four things I teach my students Right. Those are the four things you need to be to tracking and keeping score of. Those are the top lead indicators. Right. Making offers, closing on deals, executing and raising capital. Yaakov, thank you again, sir. Really, really appreciate it. I'm sure that the listeners enjoyed this content. And uh, thank you, sir. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierridgecapital.com.